Well, in 2005, is that right? In 2005, I met a young man and his young wife, I believe, in Clark Summit, PA. Is that where we met up? Yes. 2005, it was clear that God was working in my life and directing me um, in his plan. And I was on staff in the Independent Bible Church. And um, we needed to find somebody who will take over for me and just save that ministry from my hands. And um, we found a guy named Brad Haycock. And uh, Brad and I met with another gentleman um, and had lunch together that day. And honestly, when we got in the car, uh, myself and the senior pastor of the church, um, we said, this is the guy that's going to come and replace me at Independent Bible Church. And um, Brad has done a great job there at IBC. Come on up here, Brad. Um, Brad is with us today, he and his wife. And um, the Lord has just worked greatly in their lives over the years. And uh, it's been fun to watch and to see how God has worked. So I'm going to pray now that the Lord would just use Brad's words to encourage our heart, to challenge us, and um, that the Lord would direct our church into the future. Let's pray. Father, it is uh, with grateful hearts, Lord, that we have relationships. Thank you for Brad, Lord, and his family, and the way that you've used him, and the way that you have molded him, Lord, and, and just brought glory to yourself through them. Lord, now he comes as the... Uh, as your mouthpiece, to speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray you give us receptive hearts. Lord, thank you for the story of his life. And thank you for the story of you, the king of his life, Lord. May you be glorified. Lead us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get one of these? Well, good morning. Let's try one more time. Good morning. Great. Great to be with you. And uh, as Pastor Lowell said, my name is Brad Haycock. It's good to be uh, with you today. And uh, yes, we, we met uh, in 2005. It feels like forever. How many of you, it feels like time is moving faster? Have you, and we know that that can't be. My daughter, Eliana, is a philosopher. One time I told her, I'm going to be back in a quick minute. And she said, Dad, a minute is always a minute. There's no such thing as a quick minute. And, and, and sometimes our kids have a great way of correcting us. And so what we find is that time cannot move faster or slower, but yet it seems that it does. It seems that as we move through life, it goes quicker and quicker and faster and faster. It also seems as we move through time, there's a moment when I feel like I'm up to date or I'm current and I'm up to speed with things, but how quickly I can become outdated and obsolete and realize I'm out of touch, right? I'm out of touch with things. And if you ever felt that way, you're like, I do not know what's going on right now in culture and fashion with my, my kids. Eliana came home one week this past year at school and said, Dad, I want a fidget spinner. And I thought she was speaking Latin. I had no clue what a fidget spinner was. I realized I should have always had one growing up, kind of one of those kids that needed to get out some energy. But we find that things move quickly. But the encouragement today is that even as we sang, from everlasting to everlasting, God is the same. And as we look today at the word of God, my hope would be that we would have a confidence in God's word because it is consistent, it is reliable, and God does not change. And his word, his revelation of himself to us does not change. It is reliable and consistent. And so though the world around us and things move quickly, God's word is steadfast, reliable, and trustworthy. And I hope that today as we look in the scripture, we can put ourselves under the authority of God's word. If you've got a Bible or a phone, we're going to be in Psalm 139. And we're going to talk today about this idea of that you and I are formed by God, that all life is sacred. And so some of what we're going to look at today is from, from Scripture, but then some is going to be some of my story, Kim and I's story as a family, and how God has worked in our 
journey. So I'm thankful to be here. Thank you to Pastor Lowell and other pastors at Centerpoint. So life is sacred no matter what education you have. Life is sacred no matter what sort of income or what nationality or gender. No, what, no matter where on the globe you call home, life is sacred. Today we're going to focus in a specific way that life is sacred in the womb. That life of the unborn is sacred. Now we're going to do a flyover of the whole chapter of Psalm 139. And I know some of you are thinking, I have lunch reservations. Hang on, it'll be okay. We're not going to be here all day. But we're going to go through the whole chapter of Psalm 139. Then we're going to look at the middle in a closer way. So Psalm 139, the beginning verses, we're shown, we see that God knows you. And in fact, I believe that God knows you better than you know yourself. That when you start to ask questions in your life, what am I made for? What am I created for? That those questions only God can answer. Follow with me for a second. If God is the one who created you and you're asking the question, what am I created for? You can't answer that question. If God made you and you're asking what you're made to do, then he's the one who sheds light on that. Many people will tell you in our culture, look deep within yourself to find out what you're made for. And the Bible would tell you, God would tell you, he knows you better than you. And so you should look to him. Look at verse one, Psalm 139, verse one. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and, and my lying down. For some of us, the lying down is more than others, okay? But God knows all of it. It says, you are familiar, you know all of my ways. So God is not just familiar with your Sunday and what you've done Sunday morning. He's familiar with your Monday. He's familiar with your Tuesday, your Wednesday. He's familiar with all your conversations. He's familiar with all your thoughts, all your desires, all your dreams, the things you're doing and how you act and react. God's familiar with those. You'll never pray to God and have him say, really? It just doesn't happen. You're not going to surprise him because he's aware of all of those things. The text goes on in verse 4. Before a word is even on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. How many of you ever got halfway through a sentence and you were lost? Right? You started saying something and you're like, oh boy. God knows Even before the word is on your tongue, God knows it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge, the knowledge that our all-knowing God has, is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And so as we look in this psalm, we see that David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is showing us that we have a God who's all-knowing, and he knows all about you personally. And so what an awesome thing it is to think of our God and how infinite and great he is. As we keep reading, we see that God not only knows you, but then God is with you. God is always with you and always there, no matter where you go. Look at verse 7 through 9. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Or to sprint. Maybe you feel like you can run fast. You can't outrun God. Where can I flee? Where can I run away from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, then you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. 
Um, if you ever tried to hide things from God, hide and seek with God is never fun because you never win, right? So before we're even caught, before we, God knows. God knows everything that we're doing. And so it says, well, you know what? I'll hide in the dark and God won't see what I'm doing. The verses go on to say, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night will shine like the day and the darkness is as light to you. We can't hide things from God. My hope is as we see that God is the one who knows us, he's also the one who's always there for us. He's ever present. That that should be, if you're a believer in Jesus, a comfort to you today. That that should be an encouragement to you that God is with you wherever you go. That Christ is there beside you and he has not left you or abandoned you. A very uh, famous, well-known psalm, Psalm 23. It's sad that we only teach on that psalm when somebody uh, is at a funeral or passes away. But Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Though I walk through the valley, you remember the verse, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why do you fear no evil? Why do I fear no evil? Is it because there's no evil around me? Is it because I'm not going through hardship? No, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For you and I, if you know Christ, you can move through your life with courage, with some boldness, not because you have the absence of hardship, not because everything is, you know, unicorns, rainbows, and everything's awesome, okay? That's just not your day. Any of you have a week like that? I haven't had a second like that, okay? If I could go one week with everything in my car working right, I would just be like, hallelujah, okay? And so the deal is our life is difficult. Things are strenuous and there's suffering. How is it that when evil and wrong is around us, we can still have a confidence? I hope that God's presence is the game changer in your life and in mine, that we can rely on him, that we're not overwhelmed with anxiety and fear, but that we can move forward in the face of evil and trust God. So because God is with us, we can face whatever's before us. Because God is with us, we can handle and deal with and face with his help whatever comes before us. We see as David moves forward also that God has displayed his power, his creativity in creating you. Look at these next few verses. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together, verse 13, in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake, I'm still with you. So we see that David's pointing us to that God knows us, that God is the one who's always with us, and then he's created us. He's the one who's made us. In fact, that he shows his power and, and might in the fact that he has put you together. Verse 17 and 18 kind of come back to the themes he's already mentioned, that he's, he's ever-present God. He's an all-knowing God. Now, as we keep reading, we see that because of those things, David's loyalty, and if you're a follower of Jesus, your loyalty ought to be to God, that your allegiance ought to be to him. Now, some, some verses may be hard to digest, but we'll jump in for a moment. Verse 19, if only you, God, would slay the wicked, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. 
Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them, and I count them my enemies. Today, as we hear these verses, we need to see and understand that David is saying, if there are people who stand opposed to God, who are in opposition to the Lord, just so it's clear, I'm with him. I'm with the Lord. That's whose side that I'm on. In your life and in mine, in your work environment, in the places where you eat and and live and play and all this stuff, if there are people that are against the Lord, that maybe don't know him or stand in opposition to him, it ought to be clear that your allegiance, your dependence, your confidence is in the Lord. Why should that be clear? Because he knows you better than you. Because he's always with you and because he's the one who made you. And so David is making that clear. Now what David is not saying is that if there are people who oppose God, that we ought to treat them with scorn or with some sort of malicious actions or we ought to mistreat them. The Bible, in fact, says we should love our enemies, right? But what I want us to see that David is saying, and the more that he matures in God, he is thinking and perceiving as God thinks, and he feels and responds to injustice and wrong as God would respond. I want us to think for a moment. There's two outcomes, though, for me and for you. David says in verse 19, if only you, God, would slay the wicked. The truth is, if we realize all of us at some point were enemies of God, every person in this room, none of us are born perfect, right? None of us, none of us are. We're enemies of God. We're, we're in sin. And we have two options. The option is if we repent and we trust Jesus Christ, then we're forgiven of our sin. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who was slain for us. And so for you today, for me today, I would encourage you to think about all of us are enemies of God at one time in our lives. Have you responded in faith, put your trust in Jesus, and been forgiven of sin, and now the wrath of God is no longer For you. In fact, the Bible says here in verse 19, it says, Only you, God, would slay the wicked. How many of you sometimes, though, if you're a Christian, you have people around you and they misuse the the, the name of the Lord or they speak evil of what's good, they speak good of what's evil, and it frustrates you? Any of you had that? And some of us maybe have this idea, we're like, Well, I'm going to do God a favor and I'm going to knock him out, right? (laughs) You just think, but. Verse 19 says, if only you, God. I believe today you can be right with God through Jesus Christ. I don't believe today you can make everything right. There's things in the world that aren't right, and you can't undo that, and I can't undo that. But God one day will right the wrongs. God one day will have justice. And so for you and I, would we respond in faith to the Lamb of God that was slain for us? It says that God will slay the wicked. That's what I deserve. I deserve to be killed or die for my sin. But Jesus died in my place and in yours as our substitute. And so today, would we be reminded that our loyalty is to God? The last two verses in Psalm 139 direct our thoughts to see that God is the one who is to guide and direct you. God is the one who's to guide and direct you your life. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Today as we uh, hear this psalm, we see that God is best positioned to guide and direct and shepherd your life. Maybe we feel that there's somebody else that we have as, as a role model. Maybe there's somebody that we look up to. Uh, but I would encourage you to see that God's resume trumps anybody else's resume. And that he is best positioned to guide and lead and shepherd your life. And so would we say, God, I, I want you to test me. I want there not to be anxiety that overwhelms me. And I want you to see if there's things in me that aren't the way they should be. And I want you to lead me. I want you to lead me in the way everlasting. So today, as we spend this time together, my hope would be that we would see clearly what God's word has to say. And specifically, we're going to spend a couple minutes together talking about what does the Bible say then in reference to the issue of um, abortion. I know today, as we think about this topic, there's definitely emotions connected. There's personal feelings that many have situations and experiences. And so today, the desire would be that we would see the truth of God's word, but it would be done in a way that that is compassionate and caring and understanding of our gracious Heavenly Father who is quick to forgive sinners. So how many of you are parents or or teachers and the kids give you stuff? Any of you have that? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Something like this. Any of you, you know, your kid comes home and they they say they worked on something. In fact, when I was a kid um, growing up, I would build these models like this. In fact, the the box top would show you what it should look like. There was all these decals and all this stuff. And for whatever reason, mine, when I was finished, never looked like the box top. I don't know how it's possible they always mixed up the car that I put together, but that seems to be what happened. Because at the end of it, it just never, never looked. Now, I've got a bunch of these things. My kids give me this stuff. In fact, one of my daughters made this for me. Now, one of these wheels, the wheel isn't so, isn't so cool, isn't so great. And, and in fact, I come home from work and I trip over this stuff all the time. Any of you have that? Like you trip over it, you're like, will the, will the kids clean up this stuff? Will it, you know? And in fact, by the time I pay this stuff off, normally it's broken. You guys find that too? It, it gets broken. And so I have a lot of this stuff. I don't have a lot of room for it. It's sort of in the way. Green's not really my color. And so the truth is, this sort of thing isn't very helpful to me. And really, it just ought to be disposed of. Okay. So today, as we think about a very, very tough issue, my hope was to not bring you any sort of images or any sort of pictures. Some people, as they would speak about abortion, would show graphic images. They would show you pictures that I think are misplaced or not helpful. But today, my hope would be, my prayer is that we would be able to get the picture without seeing the pictures and see that children, unborn babies, are not to be viewed in my life, in your life, as some sort of trinket that is, well, if it's the right timing, or if it fits into our schedule, or if it's the right gender, that this is the time for us to have or not have children. As we think about God's word, and we see today from scripture, we see that children, that unborn, are made and formed in the image of God, and it's possible in our culture that they're viewed very differently and handled very differently. Listen to a few statistics. 115,000, 
115,000 abortions will happen in our world each day. So it's not a year, it's not a month, but per day, 115,000. Statistics tell us that one out of every three women in America have had or will have an abortion. Abortion's called by many the silent killer, and I don't believe that that's just of, of babies, but of moms and dads that face real heartache, that face deep wounds and hurt. Today, as we talk about this, and as I share from Scripture, and my wife and I are going to share some of our journey, my hope is that we would allow the authority of God's Word to guide us, to be the anchor. For some of us, there's maybe situations or experiences, uh, names that come to our minds, and it's very personal. But I would hope today that we could allow God's Word to guide our time. Look at this statement on the screen. It says, if the unborn is not a human is not a person, then no justification for abortion is necessary. So if what's in the womb is not a person, then you don't have to explain to me, to God, to anybody else, what decision you would make. But what we find is, if the unborn, if what's in the womb is a person, is a human being, then I believe, at a, at a simplistic, concise level, that no justification for abortion is adequate is ample. And so today, if we see from Scripture that God's Word tells us that what's in the womb is a human being, is formed by Him, then there's not really a situation where we ought to take things into our own hands. I want to introduce you to a little boy. His name's Asher Nash. He's 15 months, this picture. And um, his parents live in Buford, Georgia. And Asher... Um, at the 12-week appointment, when he was in the womb, his parents were told that he would have uh, Down syndrome. And Asher's parents were faced with decisions, and, and what should they do? And Asher's mother said this. She said, we realized that this baby we envisioned was going to be a little bit different. She said, but he's a little different, and it's the best type of different he can be. She said, he is incredible. As we think about children today that are born with Down syndrome or things like it, um, Boston's Children's Hospital tells us that the statistic would be that moms that find out prenatally that they will have a child with Down syndrome, that 92% choose to abort. I mean, when I was preparing for our time together, I was like, that, that's staggering, staggering. If you've read the uh, book by David Platt, um, oh, I just blanked out on the, the, the um, name of it, but he, he has some great stuff where he talks through some of these stats, and um, Countercultural is the book, and he shares this stat, and it's just mind-blowing to me that 92% would move in this direction. I want us to be aware today also that as we think about pregnancy, as we think about a child coming into the world, that I believe from God's perspective, there's no such thing as an unplanned pregnancy. From God's perspective, there's no such thing as an unplanned pregnancy. Now, I understand very clearly and would, would teach to you from the scripture that God's design is for one man to marry one woman, for them then after marriage to have intimacy, physical intimacy, and then to have children. But what I would tell you is, are there people that have children outside of that? There are. 
And I believe that all children inside a marriage relationship and outside are still planned and designed by God. We don't want to respond in a way that somehow feels that this child has done something wrong because the truth is they, 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 have, they have not. They're not the problem. And so for us today, would we see that there is no such thing as an unplanned pregnancy? My wife's going to come, and she's going to share with you a little bit about our story. Um, if you've known me at all, um, you're going to meet my secret weapon. It won't be a secret anymore. But um, Kim, I'll give you this microphone right here, number two. Three? Okay. This one? All right, Kim's going to share with you a little bit about our journey and how God has worked and some of the things that we've experienced, and I'm excited to have her share with you. Good morning. I have the the privilege to share with you a little bit about how our life um, connects to this topic today. Brad and I have three um, amazing children, um, but it was the pregnancy with our second um, that we were really challenged. About halfway through each pregnancy, doctors like to schedule a detailed ultrasound where they check the progress of the pregnancy, they check the baby for... um, birth defects, um, things that maybe would cause a complication with the pregnancy. They, um, they check the organs, and they check the blood flow, and this is the ultrasound where the gender is typically revealed. We were excited going into our um, ultrasound with our second child. We already had one daughter, and we were excited to find out what was coming next. Um, but Brad and I were both a little apprehensive going into that appointment. Um, For some unknown reason, we just both felt that there was going to be something different about this baby that we were expecting. Going into this doctor's appointment, uh, the doctor started the ultrasound and um, quickly revealed we were having a little girl. We were excited to have baby number two and continue with all of the pink and princess Um, the doctor began checking the organs. She found that there were two kidneys and there were four chambers in the heart and the blood flow looked good and the heart rate was good. She started measuring the body. And when she got to measuring the circumference of this baby's head, it measured significantly larger than the rest of her body. Um, We quickly saw that our doctor was a little concerned. She began um, scanning the brain and checking to find what was causing the head to be enlarged. Um, And instead of seeing gray matter, which would show a typically developed healthy brain, uh, we saw a black void on the screen. There was a significant amount of fluid um, in the center of where the brain should be. We were quickly sent to a specialist who clearly outlined for us our dire situation. She said, your daughter has severe hydrocephalus. Hydrocephalus just simply means fluid on the brain. Um, They were not able to see what was causing the fluid to not drain properly down the spinal column, um, but it was pooling and um, one thing that's a positive is baby's um, skulls are not formed solidly. And so as the fluid built and the pressure built, um, the head was able to expand 
causing Emily's head to become significantly enlarged. And this specialist said, we have not seen in person a case like this um, before. She said, we do not believe that this child will survive pregnancy. And if this child does survive pregnancy, most likely will not survive long after birth. It is our recommendation that you terminate this pregnancy and to end the suffering of this baby. That was a hard thing for Brad and I to hear. We were joyful, expecting parents. Um, We already loved this little baby, um, and we knew that we could not terminate this pregnancy. We were going to let God be God and make that decision. We were trusting him no matter the outcome, and we believed that he was knitting this baby together. All right, if you got your Bible still open, turn to Psalm 139, verse 13. And Kim will come back in a moment and continue with some of our story. In Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So some of the men's men in here are saying, Knitting? Uh, I've never knit before, and why is David even... I don't even talk about knitting. The, the design is to show the intricacy, the detail, the intention in God creating uh, human life. He said that you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, the design is that when we see that we're wonderfully made, to give credit and to deflect that credit to God... I mean, it doesn't work for any of you this week. This is not the takeaway. None of you are going to walk home this week and say, I'm wonderfully made. I mean, that's not going to go well, okay? And so this verse of Scripture is not designed for us to feel puffed up, for us to feel like, well, of course I'm special. I'm a snowflake. Just look at me. No, that's not the design of this verse. This verse is designed for us to say, I'm wonderfully made, and I didn't make me. This is all about God. This is all about him and to give him credit and to give him glory. He says, your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. This morning, I'd like us to be aware of that any distinction between the unborn and a person is artificial. Any sort of distinction that our culture or people around us will create between what is unborn, what's in the womb, and a person is really unbiblical. The Bible is saying that we were knit together in our mother's womb, that it wasn't something or someone different, but that was you, and that was me. And so for us to create a distinction between the unborn and a person is, is really not realistic, not real, and is artificial. For we've been knit together. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, the same language as being knit together. Your eyes saw my unformed body in all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. See, God is sovereign. He knows the end. He knows the beginning. He, he, he's aware of it all. Some have asked me, they've said, well, Brad, with your situation and with your life experiences, are you pro-choice? Are you pro-life? Like, where, where do you stand? And the truth is, for you and I, it's God's choice. There are some children that do not live long lives. 
And, and we wish that was different, but that's the reality of the world that we live in. There's some people that live very, very long lives. And for you and I, we need to see that God has ordained the number of our days and that he is God and I'm going to trust in him. I believe that God is good in all that he does and all that he is. And everything God is, everything God does is good. And so for you and I, would we trust in the sovereign Lord, the one who's all-powerful and in control, would we trust him? When we think of the word sovereign, it really means that God is all-powerful and he has a plan. I've had people who I was trying to follow who were all-powerful, zero plan. Okay, zero plan. Uh, you know, if you're a Redskins fan, you know what that's like, okay? No plan. Just sorry, that was terrible, okay? But it's hard to follow someone who just doesn't have a plan. God is all-powerful. He is in control of the authority, and he has a plan for your life and a plan for mine. And can we trust him and allow him to be God? Kim, would you continue to come and share our journey? Because we believed that God knows us, that God is with us, that God had made us, and our loyalty lies with him, we trusted him to lead us through this journey. The day we were diagnosed um, with Emily, we went home and we chose a name for her. We got out the baby name book, which, you know, is so exciting when you're expecting. Um, And we chose the name Emily. Emily means striving. And we knew that um, this little baby was going to need to persevere. She was going to have to work hard and strive. And her name is Emily Faith because we knew we were going to need a striving faith for the journey ahead. As many expectant parents, we were faced with fears. Are we going to be able to provide financially for these medical bills that were coming, for the equipment that she was going to need? Are we going to be able to protect her and keep her healthy Um, I was feeling so inadequate, so weak. Um, And God brought us to Psalm 139, and it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I was so full of anxious thoughts. I was fearful. I was hurting. And I needed to humble myself, surrender to God, and say, search me, O God. Not because he didn't already know. God knows all. He knows me. But I needed to humbly come before him and lower myself and say, God, search me and show me what offensiveness is in me so that I can uproot that, so that I can follow in your way everlasting, in your righteousness. This prayer of surrender um, was an encouragement to us. From the time Emily was diagnosed until she was born, there were so many unknowns. We didn't know why. We didn't know what was causing the severe fluid to build up. Um, We didn't know what the outcome was going to be because the doctors didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I was given a new perspective on those who had been faced with the choice to terminate their pregnancy. It was so painful and discouraging to know that the baby inside of me was in pain. The longer I was pregnant with her, the more severe her brain damage was. Typically in a pregnancy, the baby continues to grow stronger and healthier. 
And that was not the case for the baby. And I was so broken. And I kept going to the Lord, God, why? Why my baby? Why me? What did we do? What sin did I commit? You know, did I not do something I should have done? I was full of grief and anxiety. And God in his goodness brought us in our family devotions to John 9, where the disciples go before Jesus and ask about the blind man. This man was born blind. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus said, neither. This man was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. And that became our hope and our prayer for our baby girl. We wanted, no matter the outcome of her life, that God would be mightily displayed and glorified through her. (coughs) Emily was born 37 weeks, just a little bit early. Um, She was quickly whisked away to the NICU where they performed multiple tests. They did CT scans and an MRI. And what they found was that Emily was born with an arachnoid cyst. It's a spider webbing cyst that goes throughout her brain. Um, They're not able to remove the cyst, but within 24 hours, she was taken into OR where they were able to drain the cyst and place the shunt. A shunt is just a tubing that goes from the center cavity of her brain where the significant fluid was pooling and drain it down into her abdomen where she would be able to absorb it naturally. These were uncertain days for Brad and I. Um, It was hard to see your baby hooked up to um, a breathing tube and monitors, um, people around us. Their babies weren't making it and weren't going home. And some of our friends were going home. And we were really, really struggling. But God in his goodness did give us some hope. Um, Within the first week, Emily's breathing tube was able to be removed She was able to start eating a little bit on her own. And when we would hold her and our guests would come and hold her, she would smile as you talked to her. And that was encouraging. But we were also faced with significant medical setbacks. I think the hardest one for Brad and I is we were told that um, Emily, with all of her brain abnormalities, was missing the occipital lobe. At the time, I didn't know what an occipital lobe was, but that's the part of your brain that processes images. So Emily's eyes worked fine, but she was not able to process what she was seeing. And our daughter was going to be blind. Those were dark days for Brad and I. We really struggled. We were burdened with grief. And we asked the elders of our church to come and pray over Emily, to lay their hands on her and to anoint her with oil. As it says in the book of James, if any of you is sick, Have them call the elders that they may come and lay hands on them, pray and anoint them in oil, but pray with faith. We needed the body of Christ at this time to carry our burdens, to weep with us while we were weeping, and to rejoice with us while we were rejoicing. In the last nine years, God has done amazing things. At my one-year appointment, I had a follow-up with the doctor that did my 20-week ultrasound, And Emily sang her a little song in the doctor's office. And my doctor looked at me and she said, if I was given the choice you were given, I would have made a different choice. 
I would have made the wrong choice. And God was glorified through the life of Emily. Recently, we had a neurosurgery appointment. We've had the same neurosurgeon since I was expecting Emily. And um, he walked into the, to the office, and Emily stood up from what she was doing and walked across the room to him. And he was so excited. He said, how long has she been walking? I'm so excited to see. And he looked at the med student that he had with him that day, and he started to give a brief history about Emily. It's always interesting to hear somebody else talk about your child in front of you. Um, but he said, Emily was born with such a severe case of hydrocephalus. We did not think she would survive the pregnancy. We did not think that she would live after birth. We never thought she would breathe on her own, eat on her own. We didn't think she would ever be able to talk, sit up, roll over, walk, see. He said, and now she just walked across the room to me. And he looked at me and he said, 90% of the reason Emily is the way she is is because of what you and your husband do with her. He meant that as a compliment, but I looked at him and I said, no, Emily is hundreds of miracles, and that is something that only God can do. And God was glorified through the life of Emily, no matter what the outcome. There are still highs and lows in this journey of life, but we believe that God has knit Emily together wonderfully for his glory. Thanks, Kim. See, I told you she's my secret weapon. Well, we thought for a moment we'd give you a chance. Some of you know my family. Uh, Well, maybe. Some of you um, maybe don't. So we thought we'd give you a chance to meet Emily for a second. And so she'll come in and say hi to you. and, um, And we'll wrap up our time with a word of prayer. Thanks, Kim, for sharing with us. Emily, are you going to come say hello? Keep coming. You're doing good. Mom's right here. See her? Come on. Do you love me? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We do. morning as we round out our time. God has done in Emily's life amazing things, and we're so grateful. She's done things we never thought that she would do. To be honest, as you've seen, um, she's made us do things we never thought we would do, as she likes to uh, control the environment. But we are thankful to God for his work um, in Emily's life, and encourage you today that we would see that God is a loving and good and gracious God. And that as we think about the topic of the unborn, that we would see that all people are formed in the image and likeness of God, and that we don't know the number of our days, but we know the one who does, and we know that we'll be with him when we leave this earth. So today we would encourage you that you would have a faith in a God who does miracles, who answers prayer, 
and is loving and kind towards us. Our hope today and, and our desire today is not to be lifted up as a great family because that's not, that, that's not the case at all. But really, we hope that you would see that we are a very, very grateful family. We're very grateful that God has seen fit to answer prayer. I'm not sure today how our time um, hits you. Maybe there's some personal things and feelings of some hurt. Maybe there's things that you deal with and work through and regret in your life. But today we would hope that you would also see that you and I, no matter what the sin, can be forgiven by Jesus Christ. I've had somebody say one time, they said, well, Brad, uh, I don't think that Jesus could forgive me. And I said to them respectfully, I said, I don't think you really understand Jesus. Because if you know him, you know he can forgive you. And he's faithful and desires to forgive those who would call on him. And so this morning as we wrap up our time, I want to encourage you to see that all life is sacred and from God. Would we see that God has a plan for your life and mine? Would we look to him? No matter what our culture or the world around us says, would we hold fast to the truths of scripture? And would we trust and rely on him? We're going to sing a closing song in a moment. And I encourage you, if you have things that are heavy on your heart, to just allow that to be a time of worship that you would just call out to him. And even to be able to leave this place with a freedom that you have because of forgiveness experienced through Christ. Pastor Lowell, would you come and pray for us as we close? Father, we thank you, Lord. You are a great God. And as Brad and Kim have expressed to us, Lord, we, are, we want to be grateful people. Show us your work, Lord. Let us see your hand in our lives. Father, I thank you for what we've seen and heard today. And it reminds us of your care for us, Lord for your love, for your forgiveness, for how great you are. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness in that love, and we desire to trust you completely. Lord, for anybody here that's struggling today, God, encourage them. Encourage them with who we are in you. Help each of us to trust you, Lord and look to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.